0: Okay, good evening everyone. It's a great privilege to be back. Baruch Hashem and a big thank you to my parents for having hosted the family all the way down in Cape Town. We make a little bit of noise, a little bit of mess. And uh, thank you very much for the trip and the holiday over there. Baruch Hashem. Subject of tonight's shia is Teshubav. Using it effectively. Right. I think this is probably. I was thinking today. There are two events in the Jewish calendar. Which I think people dread. On some level. The one is Pesach. They dread the cleaning. They may dread the matzah. And the other is, is Tisha B'Av and the Nine Days. They dread this, this period. Where there's restrictions on. Fresh clothes. Meat. Wine washing, uh, eating, drinking, you know, and particularly the day of Tisha B'Av which is so difficult because we need to be mourners, you know, it's, it's easy when a person, God forbid, loses a relative, so then he has a frame of reference, he's got a connection, and he naturally feels that loss, but by Tisha B'Av it's very difficult, particularly in light of the fact that we're supposed to sit and be mourners, or something that was destroyed so long ago. You know, to show you how far this goes, let's say a person, God forbid, is actually a mourner for a relative and comes to Tisha So the aloha is, he can come to Shul. Why is he allowed to come to Shul when a person is sitting shiva, he sits at home? Why is he allowed to come to Shul? He's allowed to come to Shul because the whole k'al Israel mourners on Tisha B'Av. So he goes and he mourns with them because they're also mourning. No prohibition of leaving a place of mourning. They're all mourning. How are we supposed to become mourners on this day? It's, it's very difficult to understand. Now, Chazal tell us the following principle. When it comes to imploring Hashem, there are two gateways we've got to get through. There's a gateway of prayer, and it's called the gateway of tears, say Chazal. And since the temple's destroyed, the gateway of prayer is much harder to penetrate. But the gateway of tears, Shari Demos Loninalu, that has never been locked away. You can always go in there. So, Chazal are teaching us, our rabbis are teaching us that the key to success is through crying through tears. Okay. So, if it would just be that, we would all sit back and say, well, there's, There's no hope for me. I mean, how do you expect me to cry? Now, what I'd like to look at a little bit is approaching Tisha B'Av with a different perspective, different angle, and particularly in light of the action of crying. Now, most people, if you ask them, I think they would tell you that the time that they cry is on the following occasion. They cry when they feel desperate, they feel pain, they feel hurt, they feel down. And when they cry, they're going to cry privately. If they're going to be in front of other people, suddenly everybody kind of like lifts themselves above their feelings and holds it in. Right? The classic example of a person who gets really upset and hurt and goes off to a side room to cry. People don't cry in front of other people. They don't want to. Why not? Because crying is a sign of weakness and a person doesn't want to be vulnerable in front of others. And furthermore, when a person cries, he often cries because he feels down and sad. Now, if that is crying of tishabav then of course, none of us want to do that. Who wants to go and be miserable and sad? Who wants to go and expose himself in front of other people? Right? People spend so much time making themselves look good and now they're going to go and cry in front of others. Who's going to choose to do such a thing? But we know that tears can be for many different reasons. There's also tears of joy. You have a chasana, a wedding, someone you're very close to. Often you see, especially under the chuppah, the tears of joy. When you see someone... Who just got the most beautiful news he was reunited with someone who didn't know what would be with them? There's tears of joy. Tears can also be coming from a different place inside of us. It can be tears of oh amazing. Well, wow. now, of course, that can't be Tishab. So, what is the crying of Tishabb if it's not a crying of sadness, it's not a crying of joy then what is the secret? What is the, the, the method for us when it comes to Tisha So I'll give you the following example. You take your car to a petrol station and you ask for petrol and after you've caught your breath because you realize that the petrol price has skyed in the most incredible way and you're thinking, oi, Gewalt, how can it be? What happens is, is that the petrol attendant takes that sponge, that handheld sponge, and that squeezy thing which he uses to squeeze out the soap, and he cleans the windscreen. Before he cleans the windscreen, the windscreen's got marks on it, it's got dirt, and then when he, he squishes onto the windscreen and he cleans it, it's shiny, it's clear, etc. What's the idea? Tears can cleanse you. I want to give you an an example of this. You know, there was a story in the war. The Klosenberger Rebbe of blessed memory, who famously, and we've mentioned many times before, survived the war and was a tremendous source of encouragement to Jews in the displaced persons' camps after the war. And there was a Yid there called Meshulam. Now, Meshulam had lost his entire family, and he felt that he didn't want to have anything to do with mitzvahs and Yiddishkeit, he was obviously in tremendous pain. And people came one after the other to try and convince him. Meshulam, come join the minion. Come daven with us. Come learn. Not Nothing. Zero. Zilch. So in desperation, they turned to the Kloisenberg Rebbe and they said, Rebbe, can you do something for Meshulam? So the Rebbe spoke to Meshulam. And he said to Meshulam, he says, what's, what's going on? And, and Meshulam said, you know, Rebbe, I came from a family, it was so big, so much, and all those people are gone. The best of us are all gone, and I'm the only one left. Closing the Rebbe turned to him and said, Yes, I had a wife, 11 children, and they're all gone. The best were taken, and look what's left. And the Rebbe started to cry, and Mushulim started to cry. And they sat crying together, crying and crying and crying. And at the end of those tears, Meshulam got up, donned his yarmulke, and he started to keep mitzvahs. And he changed his entire course of life. Now what happened over there? The Rebbe didn't tell him any philosophy. He didn't tell him any proofs. He didn't try and explain to him why. No. He sat and he cried with him. What What was Meshulam needing? Meshulam was needing someone to feel his pain. And that's what those tears did. Those tears felt his pain. If we can cry because we feel the pain of missing something great, those tears can cleanse us. Those tears can heal us. Those tears can build. Okay. So our crying is not of sadness. Our crying is not of joy. Our crying is of a yearning. And when we cry, we show that it means something to us. Fine. So how can it mean something to me? A base Amikdash, a house that stood 2,000 years ago. i got nothing to do with it. So the answer number one is, is the base Amikdash was a source of a number of things for us that we all want today. Number one, was a source of blessing. You know, everybody looks to the economy today. We like to see is the rand flopping more? Is it flopping worse? Eskom, this, everyone's, you know, got their two cents worth. How to change it? better? It. There's a simple solution. It's called having a base amygdosh. When we had a base amygdosh, Chazal tell us at the time of Shimon Ben Shetach that the wheat kernels swelled up to the size of kidneys. The rain used to fall. Only at convenient times, not when people were traveling on the road, but when we were sleeping in bed and not going out like Friday night, the rain came pouring down. When we had a Basamikdash, the Jews could go up to Shalaim, Pesakwiss and Sukkus, and it didn't need to be one border guard. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living in Israel, not having to have a border guard? There was security, there was blessing. And more than that, there was wisdom. Like Yemiawa Novi teaches us that all his great wisdom and philosophy, where he was able to even outdo Plato, the famous Greek philosopher, that came from having a base amygdala. Who doesn't want to have the know how to deal with things? You know, we all lived through COVID and we saw how people had not the foggiest idea, and everybody had new ideas and this idea. What Imagine we have a base amygdala, there was clarity. Imagine having the clarity. When we had a base amygdosh, we didn't have all the sorrows that we have today, the Chofetz Chaim tells us. All the sorrows and difficulties that we've been through, whether it's in the world of of, of extremities like COVID, parnosit problems, terrible tragedies, tragedy we've had in our community now with this young Hatzola responder who had this aneurysm, this, this terrible thing with his brain. Can you imagine? A young father with kids. That's because we don't have a base amigdash. When we heard Dovi Hochstater of blessed memory. Who drowned off the coast of, of uh, Durban. And left five orphans. That's because we don't have a base amigdash. So is there something to cry about? Yes. I cry because I want to have that blessing. I want to have that security. I want to have that we don't have all the sorrows. It's a crying of yearning. It's a crying of Hashem. I want that back, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I feel that we're missing something over here. Now, there's no place on Tisha B'av to sit and, and, and mope, to sit and be uh, miserable, to sit and say, Oy, gevout. Look at this. Look at this. And look at that. That's why I always say that if a person's going to watch videos on Tisha B'av documentaries. Do yourself a favor and don't watch documentaries of the concentration camps and the Holocaust. Why? Because it's not going to help you achieve what we want you to achieve in Tisha B'Av. All it's going to do is make you angry, furious, upset, bitter, and it's going to harm you. It's not going to benefit you. If you want to read stories about how Jews kept mitzvahs in the camps, you want to read stories about how Jews had to undergo challenges and had to meet those challenges. That's a different story. I'll give you an example. Rav Osher Weiss Schlitter is one of the foremost rabbonim in the world today and one of the greatest halachic authorities. Rav Osher Weiss's father was sent to Auschwitz on Shavuot, first day, Shavuot, 1944. First day he got there, most of his family was murdered. His parents, his grandparents, most of his siblings, him and a couple of siblings were told they could go to work. Second day Shavuos in Auschwitz, the Klosenberger Rebbe arrived. And when this this Rav Weiss heard that the Klosenberger Rebbe arrived, so he heard where his, where his barracks was. And he went to a Jew in the barracks and said, listen, You so-and-so, yes, your son's in this barracks. Why don't we do the following swap? You go to to my barracks, I'll go to your barracks. All we have to do is memorize the number. Because remember, Jews in Auschwitz, they're not people. They don't need to have uh, names. It's all numbers. So the guy said, deal. So he risked his life and he went in and he found the clothes in Maghreb and said, Rebbe, you're going to help me. He said, Rebbe says, why do you think I'm going to help you? He says, because we can talk in learning. Because we can learn Torah. You understand what we're talking about over here in Auschwitz? And this boy was an 18-year-old boy He went to the Kloisenberg Rebbe. We can talk in learning. And the Rebbe, when he saw that passion, he hugged him. Because the boy said that if we talk in learning, we will prevail. If we don't talk in learning, how will we prevail? And they learned Whichever time they could for 12 months in Auschwitz. And both survived the war. Klose Megareba blessed this young man, this 18 year old, that he would have a son. Who would be great and in Torah. That. Now that's something that we can take something practical from. We can feel that challenge we can feel the Gehenna around us, and we can draw direction and guidance from that. But just to expose yourself to murder, destruction around, is not Tisha B'Av. It's not Tisha B'Av. Now, Rev. Breitavitz brings down from the Maharal, and it's a Chazal that says this. Chazal say Mosheach was born on Tisha B'Av. Interesting enough, this was one of the arguments... That the, the Christian apostate argued against the Ramban about a thousand years ago, about eight hundred years ago in Spain, when he was trying to prove Christianity right against the Ramban and prove Judaism correct. And one of the things he said was that, well, the Metrish says Meshach was born in Teshabav, right? The day the temple was destroyed. Must be that's Yoshka, right? So the Ramban explained that's not what it means. And the Maral talks this out. It doesn't mean necessarily that Mashiach is going to be born on the day of destruction. Whether then or later. It doesn't mean that. It means that according to how we yearn, how much can we lift it on the scales of desire for the Baisa Mikdash, that will bring the Baisa Mikdash back. That will bring Mashiach. According to what we want and how much we show that. That's Mashiach's born in Tisha B'av. Tisha B'Av. is our opportunity to show a yearning and a desire, even if it's hard for us. But we've got to know we've got a wonderful opportunity. And when we do that, we bring that Beis Amikdash here and now. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to learn about what happened. I'm supposed to ponder the events I'm supposed to crave and desire the Beis Amikdash. And I'm supposed to cry because of what that means for me today. At least that. At least that. Understand that if I lived with the Beis Amikdash, I would have a much more satisfying and serene life. And I don't have that now because we don't have a Beis Amikdash. And the crying is a crying of yearning for it. Not, God forbid, down, depressed, etc. That's got nothing to do with Tisha now, one of the thoughts that a person can think on Tisha B'av is thoughts of Teshuvah, of self-correction. Now, why is this so important? Because we know that Tisha B'av is not in the Torah. Tisha B'av is not something that the Torah mandates and it only came about because of wrongs that we committed and the temple was destroyed. Which means that the way to bring it back is to correct those wrongs. Of course, part and parcel is we've got to desire it back. But we've got to correct those wrongs. And therefore, part of the avoider, of the service of Tisha B'Av is to look into ourselves and try and chip away at something. You know, imagine an architect. And he's got this magnificent piece of stone. Beautiful, massive piece of stone. And he's got to chisel out a form of something. When he chisels out and he makes it, there's a knock over here. There's a little shave there. Everything is done with exactness and with definition. We've got to try and do a little bit of that to ourselves. Some people feel, well, this is me. Hashem doesn't hold that. Some people feel, well, I can be someone totally different. That's also preposterous. But you chisel away, you knock away at something. You're helping to build the base me. Yearning and also a shower. We've got to take those tears and we've got to clean ourselves and want something more. You know, uh, Gil Spiro, who is a famous storyteller, writer in America today with a Touched by a story series. Beautiful, beautiful stories and very much in tune person. And Raspira brings down that when he was in Yerushalayim for Tishbev, he went straight to the Koisel. He thought that would be the place for me. He goes to the Koisel, and he was very disappointed. You know, would have become very, uh, so to speak, you know, very uh, with pictures and superficial, and you know, a lot of gatherings and let's see what's happening. He was missing heart. The next year, he went to a small shul in Me'asharim. And when the Yid got up to read Eicha, he literally cried throughout Eicha. And he felt those real tears. He felt them real. It touched him. It made an imprint on him. And that Tisha B'av was something he never forgot. A little bit of something to shake us up can make all the difference. Something to make us move a little bit. Like, like the Torah says, I will remove from you that heart of stone. What's the idea of a heart of stone? And I'm going to brisk your heart. Because sometimes what we do is we put up a block. Right? We have a feeling towards something. We have a draw towards our Kaddish Bacho and we block it. No, I don't want to go there. Right? And we create a blockage. We create a, uh, a wall between us and Hashem. And we've got to chip away at that wall. We've got to let that connection develop between us and the Kodesh Barchu, And the way to do that is through tears. When we can cry that I want to be different. When we can cry that I want to have a different life. When we can cry because we lost something. Story of Grossman, Schlitter, who's the Rav of Migdala Emek in Israel. And he's very special, Oyev Yisrael. He loves the Jewish people. And he's known as the Rabbi of the Jails. Right, He goes into the Jails and he's known to have been Makar of many Jews in the Jails in Israel. Tremendous personality, had more success rate than all the psychologists and psychiatrists. He was very successful and he still is to this day. And he gives Kizuki, he gives strength to, uh, to Yidin, whatever they're in. And Rav Grossman tells over that there was a Yid who gave him a piece of a Torah scroll. And Rav Grossman said, how did this Torah scroll, this piece of a Torah scroll come to him? Because there was a Nazi who had ordered a shul to be destroyed. And he had felt bad about it, amazingly. And he had taken a bit of a Torah scroll to be saved and not to be burnt. And after the war, he found the Yid and he gave it to him. And when the Yid opened up that piece and looked inside, what was that piece about? That piece was about the Klalas, the curses, in Sefer Dvarim, in Parshas Kisava, that talks about... How this nation is going to come down upon you. Can you imagine? Of all the parts of the Torah, it should be that that was saved. The part that, does, that discusses and talks about, you know, precursor to all the, the difficulties we went through. That's because our Kaddish Baruch was there. And he's here now today. And he's asking us to cry. And if I struggle to cry, let me think a little bit about issues that I've got in my life. Problems, suffering, difficulties. Cry not out of sadness. Cry not out of despair. Cry because you want it to be different. Cry because you're yearning for something better. Cry because you want that connection. You can stimulate yourself. You can do it and don't be afraid. Because when a person can bring himself to cry... He can bring himself to a different reality. Never mind what other people are thinking around you. It's a wonderful ability to heal. Just like that Yid Meshulam was healed through those tears. Also be healed through tears. And Hashem says, I will wipe tears away from all faces. But that's going to come later. Now it's our voida. Says the Gemara, anyone who mourns, over the distraction of Yushalayim, he'll be zeuche, he'll merit, and you will see its building. When a person can push himself a little bit, to connect in a little bit, then he'll be zeuche to see the building. Okay, fine, so I'm supposed to cry for some part, I'm supposed to think about means of tshuva, of change, yearning for what was there, Learning from the courage, seeing the challenges we've been through, the tragedies that came from the destruction. But can I do that for 24 hours? So the answer is what you can do, what you can do. But use the opportunity. Use the opportunity. Chaparai. Because it's an opportunity, Tishabav. Like Chazal say, that through Tishabav, Moshiach is born. Tishabav is the opportunity that we have. How do I know that we can achieve it on Tisha B'av? So there's a Zohar, a beautiful Zohar I've mentioned before. That when Yaakov Avinu came up against the angel of Asov, He's fighting this angel and the angel damages him, hurts him. But at the end he wins. Says the Zohar that day was Tisha B'av. Can you imagine? Our whole exile is through Asov, Through Rome and Europe, etc. That's our whole exile that we're suffering today. And yet, on this day of mourning, we were successful over the angel of Esau. And that means we've got the ability to be successful also in the future as well. To to finish off, on Tisha B'Av, we don't say Tachanun. Tachanun is the Tzvila. Normally we say as a supplication, intense supplication. And we say it on days that are not joyous, but on joyous days we don't say it. Interestingly, Tisha B'Av, we don't say Tachanun. Why not? Says the Shulchan Aruch Because in the book of Eicha, Tishabav is called a Moyet. It's called a Yomtiv. Why is it a Yomtiv? Well, I understand it is. Because Tisha B'Av has different aspects to it. At the moment, now it's morning. But we've got to know that Tisha B'Av in the future says the novi is going to be a Yomtiv. It's a source of tremendous success if we tap into it. And therefore, even though we mourn, we cry, but we don't say we remind ourselves, one day, this is going to be a day of unbelievable celebration and joy. But to get there, we've got to purify ourselves. We've got to let down our hair a little bit and go in there and think and cry and yearn. And may Hashem bless us all to see the building of the Bassemigdash soon in our days. Amen. Okay, have a beautiful night, everyone.